Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Welcome to the debut episode of Off the Chest with Pecky and Dunny. This is the premiere episode, Mike Pecky. And you got questions because I'm not sure you, you and I have done shows together, whether it be with Sirius XM or here at KSL 5 TV doing the Mike Pecky Coaches Show. But this is a podcast. Yeah. So I know you got questions. I got questions. And, and the first, not, not question I have, the first gripe I have is we go from the set of the Pecky Show yeah. where you're the host to now into the podcast off the chest with Pecky and Dunny, and you're running the show from the beginning. I got right? the makeup on. I, you do. You have the makeup on, right? I guess my biggest, not gripe, my, my biggest question right now is, is to Ryan, our producer, who's sitting right in front of us. You Ryan can't see Hale. him right now. The Ryan Hale, how you doing? Legend. I see to my right, Ryan. Say hello to everybody, Ryan. Well, you got to get on the mic. Yell it. See, this, this is our it. podcast. We're, we're going to figure Ryan, out who we it. are and what we do. Just yell hello. Hey, guys. There you go. All <laughs> There's right. Ryan. Hail, everybody. My question is, is I see Tyler Gibbons sitting to my right over here. Barely okay? see him. Barely see him. What role does he have in the show? If you need something to take a shot at, he's right over there. He, okay, so he's, he, all right, he's the whipping Our boy. Our comedic okay. interference. Because I go from him running the show, the Pecky show, and now I think I have Ryan who's going to produce this, and it's going to be a different dynamic, but yet Tyler's overseeing it, okay? Dunny, unbelievable to be here with you right now. I'm excited, right? man. Podcast. Hey, we talked about this for a while. I could sit with my feet up. No one could see it. I don't have to look, <laughs> I don't have to look a certain way, so have at it. Let's do it. Well, so let, let's, let's kind of let the listeners in. It's a debut episode. Uh, we've been doing the Mike Pecky Coaches Show for about a year now. Mm-hmm. We're in our second season. You and I have a blast, but there's only so much that we can talk about in the midst of a 20 to 25 minute segment of the Mike Pecky Coaches Show, and that's on camera. And it's somewhat scripted, but but we do go off. We come with a lot, subjects, which is yeah. all. Yes, that's, that's right. Subjects. Yeah. So, and I, and I feel like when we started talking about the idea of putting a podcast together, it afforded us the opportunity. To go into the randomness that is our brains as we're sitting in the midst of kind of talking about what shows should or should not be, what could or could not be. And so how could it get any better from starting off the chest with Pecky and Dunny? I don't know if it can, but I'll say this is that I know we're going to talk a lot about things that we spoke about on the Pecky show mm. that we didn't get to talk to. I yeah. know that. I get that. I like that. But I'm going to be wondering things from you, and I want to have discussions about why do you drive uh, on a parkway and park on a driveway? What's <laughs> the meaning of life? Okay. You know, Why do leopards have spots? Okay. You know, th- These are things that I want to get into, and it's not okay. going to be the main focus of the show. I want to have broad conversations about things that just pop in our mind. Okay. Randomness. So I'm like just it. setting it up now. Okay. okay? So have at it. So, like, so by the way, all the listeners out there, uh, you can voice memo any question that you have for the following week's episode to digital at rsl.com. That's voice memo, your question for Mike or myself, or for the both of us here um, at the digital at rsl.com. Can I put, can I put a, thing, a little disclaimer in there? Yeah, whatever you want. To my 
parents back home in Long Island to my uh, in-laws back home in New Jersey. Yeah. This excludes you. Do not send any questions in, please. You ask me enough questions when, we, when we're together like we were this past weekend, which was so a trip. So send them in care of Brian Dunseth, and then I will ask Mike Pecky on the following week's episode, and I need some embarrassing stuff from the Pecky clan. Oh, God. My, my, mom, my mom will send the question, <laughs> oh, Brian, isn't Mike the best? You know? I lo- I I'm love still it. at that. You I'm 33. Lo- I'm no, still at the 6 You know what I love? When I see your parents, I see Kim's parents in the hallways or when we randomly uh, bump into each other at dinner. The awkward look on my face. Yeah, and you're like, oh, man. <laughs> but then the fact that like your parents will say, I love that you guys do the show together. Yeah. I lo- it, yeah. it's, it's fun. Oh, no, they tune in. They love it. By the way, the, in the last couple of weeks, I know you had somebody stop you and say, hey, I enjoy the Mike Pecky Coaches show. Kai Kamara. Kai Kamara. I was having an unbelievable conversation with Tim Howard after the Colorado game a couple of days ago, mm-hmm. who was my roommate in New York and, you know, close friends back in the day. Uh, and just randomly, he came up behind me and tapped me on the shoulder, and I said, hey, Kai, I know him very well. And as he was leaving, good he, dude. he, he yeah, he, uh, honestly, I don't know if he's a good dude. You know, I've, I've had I'll many interactions him. with him, yep. but it's more like the professional interactions yeah. you have, you know, hey, good game, blah, blah, blah. And, and, he, and he just said, hey, love the show. And my, you know, my reaction was, it wasn't thanks, it was talking about the Pecky show? <laughs> like, I was kind of looking at my shoulder. <laughs> oh, it's your show you again. Heard Here, my we go. Show? Here we go back to the ownership hey, of, of Mike Pecky Coach's show. Anytime everybody says something it. about a show, I always say the Pecky show. Yes, okay. okay. That was pretty cool that he said that. That's awesome. Uh, by the way, I ran into Kai down in Cabo during the break last June, and it was right after... I had cut my nose and my forehead open, which I probably should have stitches, going down a whale slide hail, uh, head first. What, what, what's a whale slide, by the way? So in Cabo, where we go, it's a gigantic killer whale. It's a slide. But what I didn't realize, Mike Pecky, is that the mouth of the whale was under the water. So as I ducked, as I hit the water, as does every other human being in the world, when they're going head first in the water, I hit the slide cut the bridge of my nose, and literally gashed myself over the front of my left eyebrow. And I realized the following day walking around that many a young gentleman had done the same thing because we all had the cuts in virtually the same place. And we all kind of like acknowledged each other. You're an idiot <laughs> too, like aren't you? It was like dad code. <laughs> yeah. Hey, idiot. I feel you. Yeah, I'm an idiot too. Yeah. We should do. Listen, uh, along the lines of Kai Kamara yeah. and, and, and other people who have said you know, certain things like that to me over the last year about, hey, good show that I didn't expect to listen to. We have to start figuring out for the Pecky show mm. of having guests over the phone. Whether 100%. it's Kai Kimura, whether it's my my man, Jose Mourinho. Hey, we played against each other. We gave ourselves a hug. Maybe I'd get him on the show. I might have an angle for that. That would be pretty cool. What would you do? If I could, if I could get... Jose Mourinho on the show, what would you do? I would ask him who was the best MLS coach that he ever coached against because okay. in his post-game press conference, he commended the coaching of that team. Yeah. And that is something that I'm going to possibly put on my headstone. Do you know I did that game? Oh, I thought... Okay, you did that game. I, I thought you were about to say when you said, do you know no. I did that? I thought you no, were going to no, say, do you know I, I told him to say that? And you were about to no, no, crush no, no, my no, dreams. No, no, no. I wouldn't do that. we still got plenty of episodes to get to. Um, let's uh, Again, you're listening to Off the Chest with Pecky and Dunny. Premier episode here on this podcast, uh, the debut. Bruce Arena has just been named head coach and general manager That's and right. the king of the kingdom. That's right. From from Robert and Jonathan Kraft you at the New England Revolution. Is he like a killer? <laughs> Is he from the mafia? Uh, so Bruce Arena story time. Let's start out strong. 
What's your best Brucerina impression? Oh, my God. I, I just tried to do it, but hey, you kind of mocked me. Hey, Pecky. Hey, Dunson. Hey, Pecky, you should have stuck with softball because you <laughs> suck at soccer. You might have dropped oh. that to me one time. We were in the national team. Remember Jeff Jeff Cunningham. Everyone remembers Jeff Cunningham. Right. He scored like 20 goals here for Real Salt Lake. Played in Colorado. Played in Columbus. Played in Dallas. Uh, Jeff Cunningham and I got called in following the end of, must have been like the 2002 season. We're down in Bradenton, Florida. We play the under-17 national team. And it's like Freddie Adu and Jamie Watson and all of like these next-generation players that are supposed to be the best players in the world. The up-and-comers. Yeah. And so we end up slaughtering them, and Jeff misses a goal. And the next day, and you know this, and I try to convey to all the, the listeners out there that Bruce Arena is one of the funniest human beings that you'll ever be around. And as a manager, he figures out a way to... Create a camaraderie, yet... Um, That's one of his biggest strengths, by the way. Yeah. He knows the game. He knows... I'm sorry to interrupt no, you. No, Remember where you're at. Because <laughs> you just hit on the point. He he obviously knows the game. He knows tactics. He knows how to coach and put players in right positions. But his man management... It's incredible. His, not only man management of players that are at his disposal, but him picking the players to be at his disposal mm. based off of their personality, based off of uh, of their, um, you know, who they are as a person and, and coupling that with how they are as a soccer player, that to me is one of his biggest secrets to success. 100%. And, and the fact that he can literally break you down to your face in a way that's yep. hilarious for everybody, but you're not offended. Yeah. It's almost like, it's like you, you you've, it's like a rite of passage. Yeah. That man, Bruce Arena just busted my chops in front of the whole team, and boy, did he touch on a really sensitive subject. Yeah. But it was hilarious. Speaking of New England sports, yeah. uh, now that he's in Boston, uh, I read a great article today. I forgot who it was from. It was a, from a former New England Patriot talking about Bill Belichick tearing apart Tom Brady. Mm. When Tom Brady, I'm not talking about 15 years ago. I'm talking about two years ago. And, and how he did it and how he commanded respect and how Tom Brady is not the typical uh, superstar where a lot of superstars have egos. Yeah, yeah. Actually, let me rephrase that. All of them do. But there's different levels of egos. Tom Brady's the type of guy that has an ego. However, he uses that as motivation. So it just reminded me. So that's for Bruce, for, for the superstars you have up in Boston. Do a Bill Bell check and, and get after him, all right? Yeah, but who's a superstar for the revolution right That's now? That's not fair to ask me, okay? <laughs> not fair see, to ask me. I, I refuse to comment. I know there are. Well, I know well, there what, are what, some. What is uh, that, like seven minutes? And I already, not, I already put you in the pretzel. Love it. Um, so back to Cunningham. Yeah. So he misses the shot against the under-17 national team. The next day of practice, in front of everyone, we're warming up, stretching. Bruce goes, hey, Jeff, what happened yesterday against the kids? And Jeff goes, ah, oh, come on, coach. You know, I just, I'm playing with the kids. I play so with the, the, oh, my. Okay, go ahead. And so then he goes, hey, Jeff, I saw you in the playoffs. <laughs> what? Were you on the take there, too? <laughs> and literally every, my mouth dropped wide open. I pulled my jersey over my face because I started laughing. <laughs> and Jeff's one of my best friends in the world. But he got done. Yeah. And I actually turned away. And I was just like looking at everyone like, oh. No, oh my no, god! He didn't. Just murdered him. Yeah. Just killed him. I, ha- I have to. I have and to, Jeff started laughing. Ryan, I have to request Awkwardly. something. Okay, you have to put the graphics up. Whatever you do on social media for this, this is the first one coming up. You have to put a poll up. Okay, we're about what seven minutes into the show. You have to put a poll up in the first seven minutes. Mike's impression of Bruce and Brian's impression of Bruce. Whose was better? I'll tell you. He did a Jamaican accent there for Jeff, and he did a Bruce Long Island. 
Mineola, uh, Franklin Square, where he's from. <laughs> wait till I get to my, my neck of the Wait till I get to my Bob Bradley. Hey, oh, I'm, I, I'm not doing Bob Bradley. This, right? is, uh, this is good. What do you think? What Bruce, do you know about the football? Bruce has command. Bruce has commanded the respect to to, to have his accent done right. This, okay, this. he's he's won championships. He's been to World Cups. Who's going to give me a turkey and sandwich? And now he's taking over New England. Listen, I think, in all seriousness, when we just talked about it, that was funny. I only do it because I love Bruce. He's my favorite. He's someone, obviously, I look up to. I, so I, I'll give you another quick story. So NBA. So now I'm on the other side, right? And I've been underneath him with the national team. Now I'm covering him with NBC Sports. And I remember we were sitting there. It was like John Strong, myself, and I can't remember who else was there. And it was when. And the rumors were Landon Donovan wasn't going to get called into the national team. And so I asked him, we were in Portland, I said, you know, Bruce, what do, what do you make of this? Like, Landon's not going to be called in the national team. Dunseth, where the hell are you getting this? I don't think, I don't think that's a good accent. I'm, call, I'm telling and you, so then, I don't think that's a good impression. So, then, so he ends up getting uh, cut from the team. He goes, hey, Dunseth, <laughs> you got some pretty good sources. <laughs> Listen to it. It's awesome. It's awesome. But hey, listen. Uh, to, to, end, to end this, the last impression I'll do of Bruce. Okay, I could just see now when we play New England. Yeah. If for some reason, hopefully, I'm begging not that we lose. I could see him coming up to you after the game, give me a handshake, and saying, "Hey, Pecky, your impression sucks, just like you and your team do," and walking off. I know that could possibly oh, happen now. He'll get it off the chest, Mike Pecky. But but on a serious note, on a serious note, we yeah. just talked a little bit ago about about him as a coach and, yep. and how you know he's so good with players and, and and management and picking the right players and his tactics that's why do you think he takes this job this this, this is an easy question to answer yeah. it's, it's, a, it's a leading question because the answer is no lead me in the direction does he take this job if he's just a just a coach um zero percent I'm, so, I'm saying zero percent so i actually did the numbers today what I numbers? ran the numbers. The amount of coaching. How much is he making? No, 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 no. I would. I mean, he's got to be. He's got to be close to a mil. He was yeah, on like one point two at LA. I would imagine. Uh, I did the. I did the numbers today, Mike. Since last summer, when Jesse Marsh and Patrick Vieira left, there's been 15 changes yep. as managers in Major League Soccer. Wait, hold on. Since when? Since Bru- uh, Since Pat, uh, Patrick yep. Vieira and Jesse Marsh left last, last summer. Last year. Yep. There's, there's been, been 15, 15 changes. coaching changes. 15 coaching changes. Holy cow! I didn't know that. So. I what I said. I survived. <laughs> I'm alive for now. for now. I'm alive, Johnny Five alive. Yeah. Um, it's incredible to think that a guy like Bruce, who is going to be widely labeled as a part of the disaster that was the 2018 World Cup qualifying campaign, which I feel is unjustified. 100, percent 100. percent But there, there's always got to be a villain, right? There's are, there's always got to be a villain, and I give credit to Bruce because not only did he step down and he took the bullet, he took the bullet in a way that he protected his staff to stay on and make sure they got paid yep. for an undetermined amount of time, which ended up being a, basically a full entire an entire year, 12 months. But on top of that. He could have very easily come out and slaughtered players. Yeah. But the reality is, you always say it, owners hire, players fire. 100%. In the national team, you can set up a team as much as you want, but it's up to the team to execute. So what substitution patterns, decisions in the starting 11, all of that is is debatable. But what I've said is that regardless of the book deal or the television opportunities or anything, Bruce wants to compete. And when the job comes along... Bruce will be ready, and he will execute, and he will have a team in place immediately, and he will know what he wants to do with that team because he's a student of the game. For as yeah. much people like, for as much as people think, well, when you're at a job, you're not paying attention. 
it's quite the opposite. Maybe you're not paying attention right away because you're getting over the disappointment. But then you jump into this is who I am. This is what I want to do. And you become a student. You become studious with every single team and prep for this. So whether it's Colorado, whether it's FC Cincinnati, or it's the New England Revolution, regardless, what I always say is Bruce has had so much success at every level of the game from Virginia to D.C., had a bit of a hiccup in New York, took over L.A., blew it to the moon and back. There's going to be there's there's going to be owners that look at Bruce Arena and say, "Man, five years ago I wish I could have had Bruce Arena. Ten years I wish I could have had Bruce Arena. Fifteen years I wish I could have had Bruce Arena." And now the Crafts have the opportunity to have yeah. Bruce Arena. And oh, by the way, the whispers about a brand new stadium. We know that they're willing to spend some money right now. And the fact that they fired Mike Burns and fired. Uh, Brad Friedel leads me to believe that they're pretty serious with the opportunity to work with Bruce. So You're I'm doing it again. I had 10,000 thoughts about okay, what you've said so far, <laughs> and now I can't remember I'm the first you, seven. I'm going to get you a pen and a piece oh of paper. Oh, my God. I, l- okay. Hold on. Let me go back to something. I'm sorry to interrupt you, okay? Let me go back to something, okay? You s- <laughs> One point I want to make about the Bruce's of the world. Okay. The Bob Bradleys. Forget about, I mean, we could talk all day about my personal relationship with Bob Bradley, okay? My respect for him as a coach is very high. Okay, so you look at him at Sunderland. Yeah, you look at Bob. Like you said, he had a hiccup in New York mm-hmm. after unbelievable- Swansea City. Swansea City. I'm sorry. Yeah, what did I say? Sunderland. I'm sorry, Swansea City. You were um, watching that Netflix documentary. Yeah, Sunderland Telegraph. I don't know what I was watching, okay. but I, I had I had Sunderland on my mind. All right. Um, so he was successful at UVA, yeah. okay, which is college. You could argue that. Then the league starts. He created a dynasty, basically. Hundred percent at DC. Best team in the history of the league. Then he has a hiccup that you said, which I get why you said mm-hmm. that. So for me, someone like Bruce Arena, someone like Bob Bradley in England, when they don't succeed because of their because of their trail of successes mm-hmm. and and their resume and what we know them as coach, it's not because they didn't prepare their team. It's not because they didn't put out the tactics that they have been going with and thought were right and stood behind. Mm-hmm. It's not from, a, like I said, a lack of preparing things. You know, and I'm not saying it's because of the players and stuff. Those coaches is where I hope to be one day because I have been in my current job for a loss here, a loss there. My former job, a loss here, a loss there, is that I feel I prepared the team very well. Now, it's I'm in no way right now blaming the players and saying it was all the players, but... In this game, in sports, you have wins, you have losses, you know? But if you have someone like Bruce who's going to New England now, what he has accomplished in the past, no matter what happens in New England, you know that he has the right direction, Hmm. he has the right approach, he has the right mindset, he has the right demeanor, he has the right um, eye for player talent, and the right tactics. Whether it works out or not, it's not a failure, you know? It just didn't work out. That's the way I feel about it. I don't know if you you, uh, agree with me. yeah. You know, whereas if a brand new coach comes in, or if Lucha Gonzalez, yeah. who came into Dallas and has been, I think, has been great so far. The team's been playing well. I know they've had a couple of little things lately, but, you know, like him, a lot more eyes are him and scrutiny of is he a good coach? 100%. With He's got to prove himself. Bruce is a great coach. Yeah. Bob Bradley is a great coach. Peter Vermees is a great coach. No matter what happens on their team after what they've accomplished, there could never be a doubt if they're a good coach or not. Mm. So it, it's to me, it, it, it's interesting to see. I'm glad that he has control of not only coaching decisions but player selection through the sporting director and the and the global look of the New England Revolution. 
By the way, you're a heathen. You've taken your shoes off. We're less than 10 minutes, 15 minutes into this podcast. I'm on our camera. My, sh- my feet are going to go up here. And Tyler, you have nothing to do with this show. Why'd you come over here and put a pen and paper in front of me? Am I supposed to do something with it? I don't even understand what that means. I've never done a podcast. I'm sorry. Have I? We're going to take a break. Stick around. Lots more to get off the chest when we get back. Just put me under pressure here, man. I feel like I have to write something down. Welcome back to the debut episode of Off the Chest with Pecky and Dunny. It's the premiere episode. Uh, we just got done talking about Bruce Arena's story times, impressions, and what New England Revolution fans can expect from the Bruce heading out to Foxborough. Bruce is loose. And, and by the way, Bruce Arena, if you do ever listen to this, can you send me your best Mike Pecky impressions? <laughs> I got, I, you want, can I do my Mike Pecky impression? Please. I did it for Tyler the other day, and he started laughing. Please. Remember when I was well, asking? Tyler was laughing because he no, thought no, no. there was 10,000 other things on so his mind. So you, you did a commercial with Kobe Jones. Oh, you're really going to go back to that? that? That's your impression? That's so easy. You did a commercial All right, go ahead. when Kappa was the official sponsor. No, was it? No, 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 no. Kappa Miter, was the ball sponsor. The ball sponsor yeah, that year. Of, they followed up Miter. Soccer, yeah. Yes, and I was And so you were a Kappa guy. Was it like you, Richie Williams, and Kobe Jones at the time? I think that was like I the remember three. Kobe. Troy Dyack was one of them. Oh. He used to walk into when we do these little commercial shoots, and he would be wearing intimidating. Wearing his chaps. He'd be intimidating. Yeah, wearing his bucket hat. Like he wanted to kill somebody. Ten-gallon hat and yep. his, bucket, his bucket chaps. Yep. Um, so Mike and Kobe Jones are sitting. It's this locker room set up, and Kobe's talking, and it sounds like he's talking about a girl. And Mike pounds him and goes, another player's fallen. <laughs> and so hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Wait, wait, wait. It gets better. And then Kobe waxes more poetic, and Mike goes, she got any sisters? Oh and my! That was, that was that was my Mike. Can we Becky. cut this portion that, out? That was my Mike Becky impression. Oh my god! Of back in the day when you did your Kappa commercial with Kobe Jones, I mean, I feel like I was like a nine and a half star out of ten. I feel I, I, I have that much of a lisp. I, I, no, I do, don't I? no. Well, I know. I mean, well, you, yeah, well, you did a little Bruce, bit. But your Bruce impression had a lisp, and now <laughs> your Mike impression no, has a lisp. I just got any so, sisters? Oh my god! That's not a good one. I guess. I'm going to need the official ruling from Kim gonna, Pecky. Listen, we're, we're hey, gonna, Kim will listen to this. Gonna, you're going to put out, you're gonna have to find that commercial, and okay. you're going to have to put it up on Twitter. I and think you're I have, have it. To... I think my mom has it, like, on a... She moved it from VHS to a DVD. Your mom's a Mike Pecky fan? Oh, yeah. Nice. Yeah. She likes you. All right. She likes the Mike Pecky Breathe Right. <laughs> Why did you wear the Breathe Right? Tell Money. the story of the remote. Money. How much? Money. How much per game? No, I didn't get per game. I... I... I, I remember. I, I'll tell you. Exactly I got an offer. I got an offer to wear the breathe right, and it was like it was like almost a grand a game. Yeah. No. You you were big time. I guess. No. I didn't even get close to that. I got I got a, a golf clubs, a, a set of golf clubs. For breathe right golf clubs. No, they were um, not Wilson. What the Titleist. Titleist. You golf got Titleist golf clubs. Yeah, but they weren't good. They were like bottom of the bit barrel. Okay. But I was I was making twenty twenty thousand dollars a oh, year. I remember at that point seven hundred seventy eight dollars right? seventy eight cents. It uh, was the check every two weeks after taxes. My, oh my, my, my what was it seven hundred seventy eight dollars seventy six cents after taxes every two uh, weeks yeah, I was living roughly in around Foxborough. That. I used to ha- I used to have to have my roommate who owned his own business who was my college best friend cash my checks sometimes because you know the whole thing if you don't have enough money in your bank account to cover the check you're <laughs> yeah, putting in yeah. it takes like four or five days four or five so days. I have to have him do it anyway uh, Breathe Right <laughs> I think it was for the season I don't know $1,500 okay. for the season and a set of golf clubs but the thing is is that whether it really helped or didn't it was a placebo perhaps yeah. for me is that I felt it helped 
Every time I put that breathe right on, you look like I a mean I SOB breathe, with that. I could breathe better, yeah. you know. I could play golf better on the weekend with my breathe right golf clubs, and that extra thousand dollars bought me. Uh, Let me ask you this: two months of rent. Were you, did you intimidate? Did you intentionally try to intimidate your opponent? I don't know if I would. I don't know if I would put it as intentionally trying to intimidate. You were, you were demonstrative. You I were didn't like, like big my and loud. I didn't like my opponents. So you create? Did you create like a narrative in your head that they'd done something? To no, you? not not like that. That's Kyle Beckerman, which we'll, maybe oh, yeah. at some point we'll yeah. talk about, 100%. which is a great story Incredible. of when I played with him. Uh, what I witnessed. You know, him I played with him himself. in Miami when he was seventeen. Did he? I, I don't he know. Tore if, his, I don't he think, killed his ankle. I don't think at seventeen he was doing the same things as he was when he was with me in Colorado okay. because he was he would get himself so up for the game based off of who he was playing. It was so fascinating and intriguing, and to see him go out there and then take that aggression out in the field. Mm. But we're getting into somebody else now. You asked me, did I? Your question was what? Did I? Did you intentionally make yourself bigger, louder, boisterous, demonstrative? No, I got myself worked up in my mind, you know, because, and now we're talking honest. I know we did a lot of joking here. I, I always knew my limitations as mm-hmm. a player. Yeah, always. Same. Same. I knew how good I was, but more importantly, how good I wasn't. I knew my role was to win balls and get the ball to the closest person who had ability with the ball. Mm-hmm. So I took that very seriously. So anybody we were playing against, it didn't matter who it was. I wasn't in the locker room saying this specific person you know, I'm going to kill him. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do whatever. It was the team. It was, I knew my role. I said, I'm going to go out there. I'm going to win every ball. I used to have this uh, cue card that I would write down three things every game that I wanted to accomplish. And most of the time, they were the same three things. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, it would go in my sock. Not every time. It would go in my sock. Or when I come in halftime, I'd reread them, this and that. And it would really fire me up. You know, what and, did you write for Mamadou Diallo? Oh, God. <laughs> Mamadou Diallo, honestly, the first thing I wrote after that whole thing happened with yeah. Mike Amin was, do not, uh, do not end his career. That was my first thing I wrote. Really? Yes, because I'm not... A psychopath. Okay? I might portray one. I might get to that. But I never physically wanted to hurt somebody. But I always felt that my role is X. Hmm. The team's role is Y. You know? And and, and from there, our success is based off of Z. Did that make sense? That, yeah, that, yeah. That no, I got you. Did it really? I know you well, got no, me. No, I went to Cal State Fullerton for three semesters. Okay. I, was, I knew was, what the direction you were going. There was X, Y, and Z. Yeah. I was the X guy. Okay. I had to stuff out, you know, fires, put out fires. I had to be the intimidator. Um, but... I, I took that role seriously, to be honest with you. Again, mm-hmm. because I knew I wasn't the best player, not even not even close to the best player in the field, and I had a role. So you got traded a few times. Yeah, thanks. That was Did, pretty abrupt. Well, no, because well, I— You, got, you be- got cut in sixth grade, buddy. <laughs> I mean, what the hell? <laughs> that was really direct and Your abrupt. Your painting finger. Pain, so you got traded a couple times. Sucked. Yeah, I sucked on all my teams, and they traded me. What are you talking proceed, about? I proceed. got traded from New England Revolution to Miami Fusion to Columbus Crew to FC Dallas, played in wow, Sweden, you sucked came back you to Real Salt Lake, I was. got traded to Chivas USA, and then got traded in preseason but to LA to Galaxy. Sweden. You went to Sweden. You went to the Sweden National. Was so yeah, Sweden was I'm fun. sorry. Proceed with your question. Which which teams did you want to be traded? Well, sorry. Which how many times, I'm trying to figure out the right way to ask you this, how many times, and you can name a coach, you can name a team, mm-hmm. did you want to be traded versus how many times <sighs> did you find yourself traded and it came completely out of the blue? Very easy question to answer. Um, when I got traded from New York for the first time mm. after I signed a new contract, and I remember in the contract negotiation I had an opportunity in Germany. The reason why I didn't take the Germany opportunity was twofold. One, go back to what I just said a minute ago, I knew my limitations as a player and I knew... But, you know, what yeah. I could do as a player. And I didn't see myself going over there and cracking into this Bundesliga team. Didn't. 
You know, the other side of that was I'm a New Yorker, you know, and I was playing for my hometown team and I was having success and the league was young and I wanted to be a part of the growth and I wanted to be a part of the growth of not only the league, but that team in general. So I never forget when we're at signing day with Nick Sakevich, who is my GM, who is a great guy. I still, if I see him, we have allegedly a great, great conversation. People have problems with him. I, I, I have no problem with him. But never forget, I said, Nick, the only thing that I want further than what you've given me, the money was great. Uh, you know, the terms were great. I want to no trade clause because if I'm not, if I'm, to me, being in Germany. Or being in, and I actually used this phrase, or being in D.C., because yeah. at the time, D.C. was the closest team to us. There was yeah. no Philly Union. Yeah. I said, it's the same thing to me. Germany, it's not New York. Yeah. And he said, the league won't let me do a no trade, but do you think I'm going to sign you to this four-year contract and trade you? And the young, naive Mike said, I believed him. How long? A uh, year and a half. Year and a half. Year and a half out of a four-year deal, I get traded to D.C. United. And you didn't want it. Are you kidding me? It was two <laughs> days before, no. Who was the coach at the time? Um, uh, Ray Hudson. And Great so, guy. Yeah, yeah. Great Ra- guy. Ray had me in Miami. Listen, once, uh, once I got there, it, it was, everything worked out. It was great. Yeah. But it was Christmas Eve. I got the call from Nick. Really? Yep. Christmas Eve? Christmas Eve. That And the re- it just happened to have that. They wanted to get it done before the new year. And then, you know, the Christmas break between Christmas and New Year's, no one's in the offices. They wanted to get it done. I got called, which I give him respect. He called me, yeah. you know, and he let me know. And I told my wife she was bawling. We were at my in-laws' house. Um, so that was, I didn't want that. It was a shock. It was a terrible Christmas. It worked out okay. From there, from D.C. to Colorado, not as crazy as, as New York to D.C., but complete shock. Um, didn't want it. Didn't want to fly. At least in D.C., I'm only four-hour drive yeah. from my parents and family. Colorado, I'm landlocked in the middle of the country. Took me four years to eat any seafood out there, by the way. That's another topic for a conversation. Yeah, you got a sushi phobia. I do. The landlocked. <laughs> um, but then the last trade I had, which wasn't a trade, I asked for my release after four years in um, Colorado because I knew I had maybe two two to three years left to play, mm-hmm. and I wanted to end back in New York. Yeah. And Juan Carlos Asari was the coach in 2009. I had a relationship with him. The Tinkerman. Um, <laughs> the Tinkerman, <laughs> and uh, we talked a little bit, and he he was he he wanted me to come back, and I wanted to go back, so I negotiated a little bit of release me, and they picked me up on waivers. So the the New York to D.C. trade was eye opening. The D.C. to Colorado trade was annoying because it was so far away. Yeah, and the third trade I had was uh, welcome. So New England for me to Miami, I asked for it for the better part of a year. Fernando, Fernando Clavijo went on camera on Univision, said Brian Dunseth cares more about the Olympic team than he does about the revolution. Made me Duh. sit on the bench the day, the day before I was leaving to go to Australia, and I got hurt because I had to do fitness afterwards, did my adductor. Get down, and, and so fast forward eight months, I finally got traded. And Fernando... Brian, the thing that it is, nobody <laughs> wants you. Nobody wants you. By the way, Fernando, you know, to his family. I mean, yeah, rest in peace. Yeah, yeah. rest in peace. We never great. saw eye to eye as player coach, yeah. but then but as a great broadcaster, human, great, yeah. and then outside of me being a player, we got along great. Um, but Brian, thing that it is, yeah. don't just stop on the fifty-fifty ball. Nobody wants you. <laughs> and so then I get down to Miami, and Ray's like, "Brianie, I love you. You know that. I have been trying to get you for years." And then I'm like, "Oh, well, Fernando." What do you mean nobody wants me? Yeah. Ray's been trying to get me for So then we we get contracted, go to Columbus, win an Open Cup, go to an MLS, uh, MLS semifinal, should have gone to the final. And then the next year, I'm coaching. I'm on the field. I come back. I've got like 35 calls missed. I'm like, what the? And I turn to the guy whose club it is, and I go, 
I think I just got traded. <laughs> it was trade deadline. And he goes, yep, you did. And I was like, what? And he goes, oh, I run the website for the Columbus crew, and I got a call from your PR, PR guy earlier in the afternoon who swore me to secrecy that you were getting traded to Dallas on trade Professionalism deadline. Professional isn't at its best. So I called McBride, and I was like, dude, what do I do? And he's like, let me make a couple phone calls. And at that point, I called, and I found out I got traded to Dallas, already out of the playoffs, disaster, a Christ had torn his ACL. Yeah. And my, my roommate? Ollie Curtis. Oh. We both got traded on trade deadline. Who's now the general manager? Okay, uh, of, I want to. From here, FC. I'm not ready to talk. I'm not ready to hear that name. Okay, okay. it's been three. That's been four years now. Okay, we'll get to that in another episode. Okay, okay. so repeat after me. I will not say Ollie I Curtis. I will not say Ollie Curtis until we do a pre-production <laughs> thing we a pre-production that we say we're going to talk about that Ollie we Curtis. We say we're going to talk about Ollie Curtis. Okay, thank you. Du- looks at my notes. Duly noted. You're listening to Off the Chest with Pecky and Dunny. This is the premiere Woo! episode. We've talked about Bruce Arena, MLS movie. Now, I've never dealt with this. We've talked about how we felt when we've been traded. Yep. What's it like when you tell a player that they've been Awful. cut or they've been traded? How do you so you're you're so as much as the players play with your life, right? We say owners hire, players fire. So as much as no matter how hard you work, no matter how you and your staff prepare, no matter how you look to implement your game plan or throughout the course of the season, the players execute it in a wild way without the players realizing you hold their future in your hand as well as the coaching staff and the general managers, right? You have a say in what your roster looks like. And the trickle-down effect is you're, whatever's going to happen with these players, you're having a direct effect on it. So when you know that you're going to make tough decisions, whether that's in the middle of the season, you've got to release a player, or you've got to trade a player, or you've got to introduce a new player to the group, or at the end of the season, when even if you've won an MLS Cup final, you've got to, uh, got to announce to a player, Tyler, get the notebook. The Get the, the notebook. I've lost now. That you have to tell a player that they're not being recorded or not being uh, protected yeah. in an expansion draft. Yeah. How do you even? Okay. How emotionally sucky is that? It sucks. Um, since we're on the on the um, uh, impersonating type trend right yeah. now for this show, I pretty much go to him when I say, <laughs> "Oh boy, oh boy." <clears throat> My father taught me many things. Right here in this office, I used to play under this table right here. He taught me the most important lesson. It's not personal, it's business. Uh-huh. That's pretty much what I say. Who was that? That's Michael Colleone in The Godfather. Uh, totally. You, you have not seen... Does anyone in here heard that? Uh, you forget, forget about my voice, but you know? what I said was word yeah. for word what they say. Ryan, no, don't, don't side with him. Ryan, you, you don't know that? Leave the gun, take the cannolis? Do I have to do it in... in, in he stabs one of yours, you shoot one of his. It's your Chicago way. What is that? Sean Connery. Oh, God. <laughs> you ever see Sean Connery, the Jeopardy, on Saturday Night Live? Oh, my gosh. We're way off topic now. My point, the door my, my if point you're coming that, in. My point for that, that terrible accent, but, but what it means is... Yeah. It is true. It's a business. We're in a business. And I Mm. I actually say to my players a lot of times, uh, which is hard to understand, is that this is what you love to do. Mm. This is like this is a passion, yet you're getting paid a lot of money for it. So it is a job. I I never think of what I do as a job. And I don't think my players should think of it as a job. At the end of the day, it is. There's consequences. There's, you know, there's things that have to be moved because this player maybe fits our system better. This player that we have is a very good player, but he's not flourishing in how we want to do it. You know, all those type of things. But 
you could say that to yourself all you want. You could say it to a player. It sucks. It sucks sitting in front of a player and saying to him, either you're traded or we're not picking up your option. Mm. And you could go into, especially the option ones are tough because a lot of contracts obviously are made that are backloaded and there are options, you know, and that protects the club. But it also is good for the player if he's really doing well and you really want him that he's going to make a lot of money. But there's a fine line there, you know. So when it comes down to those decisions, it's to me about being as honest as possible you know, and I try. I like to think that I'm honest. I mean, maybe players that I've dealt with in the past would disagree with me. I can't see how, but it's always about being honest without insulting, mm-hmm. honest without giving too much away. Hey, you know, we're moving in a different direction because of this, this, and this. You know, you're going to have a great future. You know, this team really wants you, or I know you're going to be picked up. I'll make calls on your behalf, but it's it's agonizing. Yeah, it's ag- because the relationships you form with your players, whether you have really interactions every day with every one of them, no coach has major interactions with every player on their roster every single day. Mm-hmm. No coach in any sport. That's a fact. I got a follow up for you. Okay, please do. And what, what did you read? Something that someone no, said? This? No, 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 no. Because chance. as I'm thinking, as I, as Listen, we're all human beings, right? Yeah. And so as players... You could touch a player verbally or, or, or intellectually on a day, but to have those real connections, those happen once... I had a conversation with a player today mm. that I really haven't spoken to in about a week and a half, and he started the conversation, Gaffa, you know, I, I know you're real busy, because he could see it, yeah. you know? And my idea thing is, hey, I won't say his name, hey, uh, Jimmy... You know, let, 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 let's put Jimmy in there. Hey, Jimmy, you know, you know I respect you. You know, you know I think, I know, I know, I know. And then he just wanted to know where he stood, and yeah. then it brought me into that. My point is, at the end of the day, that even though you don't have constant, unbelievable interactions with every player, they're basically all your kids in a sporting environment. Yeah. You know, so a lot of these times, it's like me telling my son, you know, hey, Hey, buddy, you know, uh, I love you. You know, you're a good person. Yeah. You're a good kid. I don't want you to be my son anymore. Well, <laughs> it sucks. Yeah, because, listen, what, what people forget, Mike, is that when we were players, you look around that locker room, you can actually not like a lot of these guys. You can actually not really want to go to battle with them, but mm-hmm. you're all f- going in a collective, a collective direction. You you're hope. All f- you hope. You're, you're fighting for the badge. There's guys that you can hate inside that locker room where you would never spend a single minute Outside of that locker room but together. Continue. Once that whistle blows, what happens? You what, be, what, what your do you, brothers in arms. What? But but is that does that always happen? No. But someone like you, cut from the cloth, you are, mm. and me, I could totally speak to this because yeah. I've hated seventy five percent of my teammates <laughs> in thirteen years. But when we got out in that field, yeah. if anybody got a bad tackle, I'm, I'm throw, I would yeah. be I would be throwing elbows, yeah. you know, yeah. or anything like that. But that's the other side of it is that to create a culture in this environment, which is another topic. Is is difficult, yeah. you know, because money has really become, and not not in the world of sports. MLS contracts in the world of sports is still low. It's it's minuscule compared, but, but it's still good but for money. money. Oh my when god! He played. Oh my oh, god! If I, mean, I I saw a player complaining on Twitter, it was probably three or four years ago, and I looked up his salary. He's like, man, MLS players out here can't even eat peanut butter and jellies on these salaries, and I was like, my man. Yeah. You're making like 275 grand a year. You're making my paycheck every 2 weeks when I was your age. I mean, yeah. 
But I mean, listen, I, I'm, I don't want to sit here. I want to karate kick you in the face right now for tweeting yeah, that. But I don't want to sit here and do the whole my dad thing. You know, I walked five miles in school. No, in no, snow, no, no, no. But it's know? perspective. But it's perspective. Exactly. Yeah. And a lot the of and, and the problem is and it's we great. see it differently now because we're not in the midst of it. We're not in the havoc. We're, we're not in the, the idealistic world of, hi, I'm yep. Brian and I'm Mike and we're soccer players. Yep. Now it's, oh, man, I'm no longer... Mike Pecky, the soccer player. I'm no longer Brian Dunseth, the soccer player. I'm just Mike, the husband, Mike, the dad, Mike, the son, Mike, the brother, Mike, the uncle. And I remember the moment that I was basically told, and it was Alexi Lawless, I was told, this is your last check. And I could have gone to Germany. I could have gone to the USL. I could have gone, but I was like, you know what? I had a good run. But then I remember, Mike, for that first three or four months afterwards, I didn't know who I was because I didn't have a locker room. I didn't have that camaraderie. I didn't have that brotherhood that I was used to having. And then all of a sudden it's like, all right, well, I'm Brian. Like, I know who I am, but how do I redefine myself in a way that everybody else who looks at me doesn't feel sorry for me, yeah. but looks at me and says like, oh, what are you doing? Yeah. I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. It was the hardest part of my life. Yeah, of course. And a lot of these players are going to, all these players are going to have to face that. Come to Jesus moment where it's like, oh man, oh man, I wish I would have. So how do you, how how do you start? Go for it. No, how do I start? Well, how how do you have that conversation when you see a kid that's not fulfilling his potential? When you see somebody that, that you know what the outcome's going to be inevitably at some point in their career and that they're wasting these chances? There's a long pause here, ladies and gentlemen, because it's a great question. It's tough. It, it depends on a player. It yeah. depends on what the future holds to them in your mind for your club. Sometimes it's cut and dry. Other time, I mean, I've had PowerPoints with young players. I mean, I, one particular player, uh, while I've been at RSL for almost three years now, I won't say if it was with the Monarchs, mm-hmm. I won't say it was with the first team, whatever, so there's no one speculating or anything. There's a kid who had so much potential. This is a kid who was young, and he got a lot of starts, and then he didn't get starts. And if people could see throughout the week what went on and how much we met with this player, you know? Like invested the priority of the time. I mean, I invested more in this player than my assistant coaches, than my GM wanted me to, you know, because there was something there. And it was like, wait a second, what's going on here? PowerPoints, this is what we talked about you in preseason. Now we're halfway through the season. Let's check off what what has changed mm-hmm. based on what we talk about. Not one check, you know. And and that's gone off when you went back and revisited that one. No, that went on revisiting two, three times over, oh, really? over almost a two year period, you know. So with that particular player, it was like you have to have come to a point that says, you know what, it's it, it, it's either me or it's him, but it's not working. Yeah, you know. Whereas there's other young players or other players coming over from overseas that there's it's the same situation. However. Better attitude, hmm. better understanding, you know, taking control of perspective, uh, of perspective, taking control of what's being told to you. And I want to become the best here. You know, I don't want to just be a professional athlete to say I'm a professional athlete. Hmm. I want to be a professional athlete to get to a better team, to get to the national team, to get to the World Cup, you know, to conquer the world type thing. That's the players I want. When I took over the Monarchs <clears throat> for the brief time I was there, um, I had a saying to them initially. I said, if anybody is here. And I was there for maybe a month and a half, two months. My first thing I said to them, and it made their eyes open, I said, if anybody is here because they want to play for the Monarchs, turn around and 
walk out the door. Mm. Or if you're not comfortable walking out right now in front of me, come see me one-on-one and we'll get you somewhere else. I don't want somebody who wants to be playing for the Monarchs. I want someone who wants to be playing for RSL. Then I want someone from there who wants to go like we just talked about, here, there, there, and there. Um, And I think there's entirely... Not on my team right now with RSL, not on my team at all, but in sports in general, there's a lot of, a lot of players who are resigned, not resigned, are, con- are content yeah. with being a professional athlete instead of improving, instead <clears throat> of every day making a challenge. So one of the cool things about this show that we're going to get into over the course of the upcoming year is we're going to have interviews, we're going to be talking to two people in the game, out of the game, celebrities, uh, actors, actresses, uh, professional athletes from other sports. We're going to try to reach out and kind of, I guess, kind of probe, prod, and try to figure out uh, different kind of trains of thought, how people are kind of thinking about uh, their individual walk of life, their sporting event, and I think it could be fun for everyone to kind of dig in. As always, uh, oh, as always, as we start this, I also want to remind everyone, if you ever have a question, hit us with a voice memo uh, to digital at realsaltlake.com, a voice memo with your questions, uh, digital at rsl.com. You got anything for me? You good? No, I'm writing some notes down, but I think I'm good. Yeah, you good? Good first episode. I'll tell you. Uh, uh, yeah, I thought, I, I thought it was good. Ryan, where, where are we bouncing at right now? Oh, all right. I, listen, I got I got I got to get home. You got to go. Yeah. All right. So then, then we better. <laughs> I got to pick up. up the milk. Get home. <laughs> oh, you you got a list already on the way I home. Got a list already. Hit. Yeah, I know where you're heading. Leftovers in the in the microwave. I'm ready to roll. Uh, debut episode of Off the Chest with Mike Pecky, Brian Dunseth. Off the Chest RSL Podcast Network production in collaboration with KSL, recorded at KSL Radio Studios in Salt Lake City, Utah. Produced by Ryan Hill. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. And Google Play. We'll see you next week. All right, bud. Be good, real.